Okay, so here we go. Ahsoka Part 8. The Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. To say there was a lot of anticipation about this episode is a bit of an understatement. People were going crazy. People were freaking out. People had expectations going out of control. Imagine that, Star Wars fans. We, that's never happened before. No, we're all just calm, rational people <laughs> about everything. Expectations never fly off the handle, and people expect things that could never happen. That's never happened before in the past. When that title popped up on screen, I made the exact same sound that I did when uh, Enoch showed up. <laughs> and I, again, I kept waiting for my family to run into the into the room I was in and see if I was okay. Cause I was, it was like really loud. <laughs> so I'm going to say this to start out our conversation about part eight. When we started talking about Ahsoka, we said it was like Michelangelo, amazing guitarist from Nitro. He gave you the keys to the Lamborghini. I'm saying we still have the keys to the Lamborghini. He gave it to us again. Who's let us drive around the block. I'm going to give you the keys to the Lamborghini. He, like, gave us an extra set of keys to the Lamborghini. So, like, if we lose one, we still got an extra. We can let our friends borrow the Lamborghini. He, he gave us a Lamborghini. He gave us all a Lamborghini to share is where we're at. It's like one of those Lamborghini limousines, and we're just all riding around in the Lamborghini, having the best time. There's, like, a hot tub in the back. We're going down the street. Woo! Yeah, we're in a hot tub with a guitar with four necks, just shredding away in a hot tub. <laughs> so, like we said, there was a lot of expectation. Yeah, and Star Wars fans are going to Star Wars fan. You knew it was going to happen because you've got beloved characters from a different thing. And this part eight here didn't necessarily end with a Star Wars kind of ending of the heroes all dancing with, with teddy bears and stuff. It was kind of a melancholy, interesting kind of ending. And a lot of people wanted, you know, the stories tied up and this episode did that, but it didn't do that. And I think a lot of people kind of came away from this episode kind of being like, I don't know exactly what to, to feel. And I, I will admit like when I was watching it on Tuesday night, Last week, I was a little bit like, oh, I wasn't quite expecting this. But the thing that I there's a couple of things I, I walked away from this episode with. The first one is that while some things didn't get maybe wrapped up, which when we knew there was only one episode left, that was like, OK, that's going to be impossible. But also, it's not going to wrap stuff up because this literally felt like the beginning of Star Wars stories we're going to be getting for the next 10 years. Because now Thrawn and the Night Sisters are at Dathomir and they got that whole Star Destroyer filled with whatever that is. Is it Night Sister corpses or something? It's like you can't do the Mandalorian season four and not acknowledge what's going on here. Like the New Republic knows that Thrawn, the threat of Thrawn is coming. Like, will this affect Skeleton Crew? Will this affect the Acolyte? Will the Acolyte have something to do with, like, Dathomiri witches? The movies all going forward? I just feel like this is the beginning of a big story. 
like just the beginning and like we're not even talking about like what's going on on that planet with like Balin and whatever, you know, Mortis stuff, some wild, wild stuff going on. Yeah. If anything, this series set up super deep Force stuff is back with Mortis and the, and the father and the son and the sister and all that that's back. Yeah, Sith witches, which are probably the coolest new, in quote, Star Wars thing to come out of the Clone Wars. And now bringing that into live action and, yeah, what that means for really, yeah, everything going forward. It's like we have something. Are they evil? Are they not evil? They kind of use the force, but they use it differently. Like, it's just a totally different way to have, I'll say, antagonists in Star Wars because they're not necessarily it's not like the Sith where they're just all about evil necessarily. And it's it's a different thing, which is awesome. And then, yeah, and then just having Thrawn. So it's like we're used to there being a little bit of Empire here and there in this kind of in between time between Return of the Jedi and the in the sequel movies and, and just having like this big presence with Thrawn and and kind of bringing back stuff. I think with the how the night troopers were too of like we're kind of into the cool era of the clone wars where we're getting like not just all the white stormtroopers right we got this whole army of really cool kind of customized stormtroopers and and getting that whole kind of feel back is is pretty neat so yeah it's like on one hand you want everything tied up but on the other hand we got all these all these gifts from this show and like what's wrong with us when has Dave Filoni ever not messed with everybody when there's a new thing? Like every, every, Rebels did it. Clone Wars did it. It's like he's going to put stuff in there that's not going to pay off for a while. And he's just going to mess with us about it. And we should know that and we should expect that. But every time we don't and it's like it's our fault for being fools. Like it's, you know, like, of course, it's going to end up like this. It's not going to be what we thought it was. And, and he's going to make us wait. It's like the Zillow Beast where it was introduced in Clone Wars and 10 years later or something, maybe, I don't think, a long time, finally got the resolution from the Zillow Beast in the Bad Batch season two. It's going to take a long time, but yeah, he's got like a long range plan in mind. And, I, you know, I've got to think that the announcement of the three movies at Celebration London, Celebration Europe... I just got to think it's all somehow tied to this because you've got like I was talking about this in our last episode that you've got the birth of the force. And I didn't think that whatever Mangold's movie is planning would have to do with Mortis stuff, but maybe it will. And, you know, is whatever antagonist Ray is going to face, is it all connected to all this? And of course, Filoni's movie is going to be about all this stuff. I just got to think this is like welcome to this new era of live action Star Wars storytelling. That's what this episode is. Yeah, because if there's a Mando season four, it's like we already kind of got the hint at the end of season three that like, oh, maybe Mando's going to be hunting Imperial remnants now. And it's like, uh, so that's going to become a bigger thing because, you know, you said if Thrawn's back and these Imperial remnants are all kind of starting to move back in with Thrawn, is Mando going to be dealing with that stuff or crossing paths with these people? And then, uh, yeah, 
I'm sure there's shows we don't even know about at this point, right? Like, it's funny to think like, oh, we know everything that's coming because there's been so much stuff. But like, I know we don't know everything. So, you know, I after this season two, I was like, maybe there really is still going to be Rangers of the New Republic, <laughs> right? Like, because we never knew what it was. And even if it was supposed to be one thing before, there's sure a lot of New Republic stuff going on uh, in these shows. And we have Carson and we have Hera and we have Zeb and now Ezra's back. Like, is there going to be a Rangers of the New Republic show that's kind of the people who aren't on Peridia post Ahsoka? Because, you know, the Ahsoka season two probably would be more about Ahsoka and what's going on with her and Sabine on the planet. And maybe the other people will be involved. But like there very well could be a show about Ezra and Hera and, and, and everybody who's, you know, a part of the New Republic. So I guess we'll see. And that's the thing, too, that, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine are not going to be staying on Peridia forever. How do they get off? And now Ezra, who is a Jedi, is back in the New Republic. Like, so what? You know, there's just a lot of like, so what does this all mean now? Which I think is really exciting. I love that the it's the promise of there's a lot more stories to tell with these characters. And it's new stories involving a new galaxy in a timeline mostly unexplored in Star Wars history. And isn't and I kept thinking, like, isn't that kind of what we always wanted with you know, like after we got done with the sequel trilogy, it was kind of like, okay, now go do new stuff. And it was kind of like with the Mandalorian, like, this is exciting. Tell new stories with new characters and bringing in Rebels favorites and doing that. I don't know. I think it's exciting. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's we've liked it all these years, like ever since Clone Wars came out. I was like, this is great. It's like it's characters that I love from these movies and I want to spend more time with. And it's an excuse to introduce new characters and, and have new stories. And then kind of with Rebels, it was like, oh, I guess they're starting over with Rebels. But then it was like, oh, no, it's also Clone Wars mixed in. It's like the best of both. I get these new characters and I get to see, you know, old favorites kind of come back. And, you know, surprise, Mando is the same way and Book of Boba is the same way. And now Ahsoka is the same way. And it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you just have this big, fun universe of characters? You get new ones, you get old ones. And really deep down, I think everybody wants this. <laughs> Even Obi-Wan and Andor, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's the same pattern. You know, it's like, oh, we get like Luth and Rail and all this exciting stuff. But there's Mon Mothma. And like, we know where Mon Mothma is going to end up or even Cassie and Andor. We know where Cassian eventually is going to end up, but how did he get there? It's fascinating. And, you know, for how much, you know, there's people that that bugs them and they don't, they don't like it. It's like, that's how Star Wars has always been. That's kind of what Star Wars is. It's like Empire Strikes Back had the characters from the first one and added new characters and Return of the Jedi had brought back characters Again, you know, it's kind of like that's always been Star Wars. It's like we're going to bring back our favorites and we're going to add new characters and we're just going to keep doing that forever. That's what the prequels were. It's like that's just it's part of what makes Star Wars fun is that mix between the old and the new. And Star Wars is never going to give you all the answers. It's just that is just never, ever, ever going to happen. It's never happened in the past and it's never going to happen now. There's always going to be, well, maybe it'll be in a book or something like that kind of idea is always going to be there. And so, yeah, going in and being like, we're going to find out what everybody's deal is in 45 minutes. Impossible. So overall, 
this the season is done. It's amazing. Like we said, it went by way too fast. You went back and you rewatched the first two episodes after part eight came out. Yeah, after eight, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and start rewatching ones from the beginning. And yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, I think it'll be interesting for me to listen to our our first episode because I think going in initially, like the the pacing seemed a little slow for me, and I was kind of just you know feeling out what is the show, and it's you know. I mean, it's with everything now that I've seen the whole show and kind of know where it goes and how it is like going back and watching the first two. I really enjoyed them a lot and a lot more than I than I felt like I did the first time. And it is, you know, I know what the story is now and can kind of appreciate what the show is. And and like I felt dumb going back to the first one of like I'd remembered Ahsoka in the in the little temple, like getting the map and that there were like people holding balls and i would i think at the time i was like oh this is kind of like the 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 mortis people or like the just you know random star wars art stuff and then now going back it's like oh yeah that's the three witches from like peridia with their little balls like it's like oh yeah okay this is all kind of here like it's all kind of leading you know us where we're going but at the time you're just like what is all this right and it's kind of you know it, it almost isn't fair to even almost form an opinion in a way until you see the whole thing. And it's, you know, it's hard as fans not to just talk about things right away, but you do kind of, I think have to give it some time to, to settle in. Cause it's like, you know, with anything new star Wars, it's like, we're, we're all kind of crazy. Cause we, we love this stuff so much and we're, you know, always comparing new stuff to things we've seen a hundred times and seeing something once is, is really like, I don't know. Like, I don't even think I can even really have a real opinion on a, on a new Star Wars thing until I, I spend some time absorbing it. So, yeah, it was fun going back and, and watching those first two, seeing where the show, especially because where the show started and where it ended, it is kind of insane, like how far everything like where the show starts and ends are totally different, you know, t- totally different galaxies. Right. Like, so, yeah, it's fun. The thing I, I was thinking about with looking at the this season as a whole, and there's a lot that people could take out of this this season and this show so far. But the thing I, w- I was really thinking about is, at least for me, what I was taking out was it's a story about masters and apprentices. Because I was really thinking after this part eight, thinking more about the Anakin episode and Anakin's final lesson, live or die. And Ahsoka saying, I choose to live. And like what we talked about in our conversation about that whole episode, that this is all just about that master apprentice relationship. And if you think of that through the whole course of the show with Ahsoka and Sabine and Ahsoka and Anakin and Balin and Shin, however you want to interpret the master and apprentice relationship of teacher and student or parent and child, that's kind of like a theme that's just been going on and on and on throughout this show. And the like the one of the last things that Ahsoka says to Sabine is it's time to move on. And in a way, that's kind of Ahsoka echoing what she said to Anakin, like, I choose to live, like, moving on, moving forward, 
living life, not giving up. It's like it's the same things that we talked about in that in that Anakin episode for part five. And that's the thing, too. Like at the end of this episode, when ghost Anakin, which, oh, my God. <laughs> Hold up. I like when when you said like when the title came on and you gasped when when the camera kept pulling because I was assuming it was like implied I was like this is where it's going to end and it's like a binary sunset kind of thing with them looking off into the future the horizon I was just like oh that's cool but then when the camera kept going and you just saw like the shoulder I was like <gasps> and well and the sh- and the shoulder would have been enough but then we got to see the face yeah when also too if you look really close at ghost Anakin, he's not wearing the Jedi robes. He was wearing at the end of return the Jedi. It's like a black variation on the Jedi robes where I was like, Oh my God, he's customized his gear and ghost form. But he, he, he's looking at first with like concern at Sabine and Ahsoka. It reminded me of the end of force awakens where we spent like a whole year analyzing luke's face or two years analyzing luke's face and the emotions on luke's face when ray is handing him the lightsaber and what does it mean because he he, at first he looks with concern and then he has like that classic anakin kind of smile and smirk of we are what they grow beyond it's it's extra crazy too if you think about you know especially coming out of a certain point of view with the story about you know the ghosts and and Anakin and seeing Luke and Leia and like kind of like seeing it from his perspective of like okay this was a lot of horrible things happened but it was all worth it because I can now see you know my kids are together and they're and they're happy and and you know all this stuff right and now here at the end of this it's like Anakin gets to see okay Ahsoka she made it things turned out okay and that she's back with her Padawan like the tradition has carried on like he had his Padawan and now she has her Padawan and Because that's, I think, the other thing with now realizing kind of what the season is about, too, of like Ahsoka was kind of being really hard on Sabine and like trying to be too hard about everything and kind of missed the point of the the good thing about Anakin that she forgot is he supported her 100 percent when no one else did. And that because he's Anakin and he was all about love, like even if the Jedi weren't supposed to be like he always loved Ahsoka you know, unconditionally as his Padawan and always supported her and always had her back, even when she didn't realize it. And like, I, you know, kind of coming to get that, that was kind of maybe the big thing coming out of the flashback episode too, of like her remembering that, you know, even though Anakin did all these horrible things in the end, he was always a good teacher and mentor and supported her and, you know, getting the scene in this episode of her kind of apologizing to Sabine and, and Sabine apologizing a little bit, which for whatever reason, I always like when the scenes when we get to see Jedi say they're sorry, which there's actually quite a few <laughs> in Star Wars. It's like there's just something about like I like seeing Jedi say that they're sorry. So, yeah, that was really cool to kind of see that finally kind of like, OK, this is why those two were having problems. And, you know, Ahsoka is going to be better now and Sabine's going to be better now. And I think finding out, too, that like Ahsoka was worried about Sabine. It's it's something that's gone on through the whole season where it's either Balin or Thrawn at the end are bringing up the darkness associated with her master. 
with Anakin Skywalker and what he became. And, oh, will you follow in your master's footsteps? Will you, you know, what are you, are you capable of the darkness that your master was? Even when Thrawn is like, calls her on the phone at the end of the episode. I regret we haven't met face to face and perhaps now we never shall. Still, I know you. Because I knew your master. I concluded your strategies would be similar. One wonders just how similar you might become. Perhaps this is where a Ronin such as you belongs. But that's kind of the great thing where, you know, like we said, Thrawn's always doing his homework. But Thrawn doesn't know about love. And it's such a Star Wars thing because what Ahsoka is taking, like we said, from her master, like, is the love. It's like the when they were in the world between worlds and when Anakin was like, is that all I am? Then it's not. That was not all that Anakin was. As much as Anakin did become Darth Vader and it's forever part of his legacy – there was also all the great things of Anakin Skywalker. And that's what Ahsoka is using to teach her Padawan. And that's just such a cool message of this cycle of master, like we said, masters and apprentice, teacher and student. It's a core, core building block of Star Wars. And if this show is just kind of reflecting on that concept for eight episodes, the whole teacher-student relationship, I don't know. I think it's really great. I think it's really fascinating. Well, what's cool, too, with Sabine and Ahsoka is they kind of, you know, are implying that Sabine is is passionate enough to maybe be pulled to the dark side, with, which is why Ahsoka stopped training her, because she was worried after the Night of a Thousand Tears that she would she just wanted to power up to to kill Imperials. And they still maybe kind of, you know, hints that, oh, maybe that's what's going to happen in the future. You know, she's going to get upset because, you know, she was willing to go along with Balin to basically do anything to get Ezra back. But what's cool is like, unlike any of the other situations where this kind of happened with, you could say with uh, with Anakin or maybe even with Kylo Ren, it's like it just it just seems like things are going to work out for Sabine because she has the perfect master for her with Ahsoka. Because Ahsoka knows all about that stuff and and knows how to make it all right. And she made the the selfless choice in the end there, where I really thought that she was going to do, you know, the super jump onto the Star Destroyer and leave Ahsoka. But she, the one thing, the whole show that she was so focused on, finding Ezra Bridger, in the end, she was like, Ezra's probably going to be okay. And... I need to help my master. I need to help Ahsoka. I need to make the selfless choice, even if it's not what I want to do. And that's a very Jedi thing. And we're in this period of time, too, where it's like we asked in a previous episode, you know, Ahsoka always said, I am no Jedi. Is she a Jedi now? And it's almost like now it's like, does that even matter? Well, yeah, because that is the thing kind of with Balin and in Shin. It's like, yeah, we kind of are beyond all that in a way because it's like they weren't sith and they weren't jedi but they were right and it's kind of like it doesn't matter at this point because yeah there aren't really jedi anymore so what does it even matter right it's almost kind of like you know you're either you're 
you're trying to be a good person or you're not. And, and Ahsoka and Sabina kind of, yeah, made that commitment to each other to support each other and be good force people. And even Balin with his kind of convoluted, uh, you know, loyalties was still always looking out for Shin and wanted, you know, her to find her happiness, whether that was being with Thrawn, which we find out wasn't what she was into, but he did want to make sure she was okay, even though he had to, he had to move on and, and do his thing. Well, he knew, he knew that Shin wanted to, to have just power, which in the end she goes to the barbarian people in their cool helmets and just shows her lightsaber in the air, like fantastic Mr. Fox. And as a symbol of power that I'm going to control you now. But is it though? Cause that was one of the things like rewatching this episode that I was like, I think I'm more curious what's going to end up with Shin. Cause I kind of feel like if she just wanted, you know, raw power, she would have went with Thrawn and the empire. And she didn't like, I feel like there was some sort of like, maybe she's deciding that's not what she wants and that she felt some sort of connection to the just random lobster armor dudes. Like, cause Balin told her to go to Thrawn and go to the empire and she didn't, she could have. So like, what, what's she thinking? Like what's going on with her? Like, I think there's more to it than maybe we originally thought. Well, and maybe she knows too, that there's Thrawn and there's the night sisters and she would never be the leader. She imagines herself to be. Or is she still worried about Balin? That like maybe her loyalty to Balin is more than she realized. Kind of like with Sabine and and uh, Ahsoka. Like you know, Sabine thought she just cared about Ezra, but in the end, she there's that loyalty and kind of devotion to her master. And and does Shin have the same sort of thing? Like Balin's trying to like let her be free and and, and be on her own and do her thing, but maybe she's not ready for that. I guess they're good. Good questions to to leave this the the season on because we're it's you know it's a lot to think about. That's the thing too that it's it's a lot about this master and apprentice relationship. It's new questions, new thoughts on that, and the season ended with just like like he just said, like a lot of stuff to think about, and that's really cool. Like I would I would almost rather have that than have. You know, and Balin died on his way back to his the planet or something, and everybody made it out okay, and our heroes made it home. And okay, well, I guess that's all over with. It's we're in such an interesting place where, when this story does continue in whatever form that is, if it's a different series or it's another Ahsoka season or it's a movie or whatever it is. It's like we're going to be dying for that. We're going to be like, I need to know what happened next. And honestly, we should know better than by now. Like that's, you know, isn't that kind of how we like Star Wars, right? Like <laughs> the first the first movie, what what happened to Darth Vader? He's not dead. He's just spinning somewhere, right? Like, oh, my God, maybe he's still alive. And yeah, Empire Strikes Back being the the big one like holy cow what what's going on we got to wait three years and you know all the movies so it's kind of like yeah what do we expect right we're like we're gonna get some some teases some hints and we're gonna wonder and we're gonna spend time waiting and wondering so that's how it goes should be used to it (laughs) why are we surprised
comes out like as Sabine or Rosario walks on set as Ahsoka, the whole crew there is like, and they just stare at them. I'm like, we have to work. We have to work now. But like, it's so it is hard. magic. And I yeah. love that the people working on this field, just like you guys do. And there are probably some hidden within here too as well. So, you know, you should thank them as well. Never think about what I do without thinking of all the people that, that help make it great, yeah. which is that team. So. So let's talk about the episode. Let's talk about part eight. It starts out. We got Morgan. We got Thrawn and the witches. They're just hanging out, having a little convo. And the witches are talking a bunch of nonsense. Like she's she's the one who heard our dreams across the stars. And they're going to give Morgan the gift of shadow. So cool. It's like. They just, yeah, burn her face with evil magic. She turns into, she gets her corpse paint like she's in a black metal band or she gets the Vinnie Vincent Ankh makeup from when he joins Kiss. It's just like now she's in the band. She's ready to go on tour. She just looks cool and evil. Black eyes. Oh, this show, this, yeah, Ahsoka is like the most metal Star Wars show yet. Even though Book of Boba had Nikto speed bikers and denim jackets, somehow Ahsoka's even more metal. <laughs> that was like L.A. metal, <laughs> like the Nikto speed bikers. That was like Sunset Strip metal. <laughs> this is like stuff from Europe. This is like dark magic with a K, yeah. you know, yeah. this, is, this is burning churches stuff. So, yeah, so crazy. Because, yeah, because then they're like talking a bunch of nonsense and they're on top of this mountain thing perched inside a Star Destroyer. It's all crazy. And Thrawn's just like watching like mm. and then they're like they don't say what they're going to do. And then this green flame starts in the middle of them and they give her the blade of Talzin from freaking Clone Wars. And it's this green fire sword. And you're just like, OK, crazy enough. I think I missed the first time, too. Now Ahsoka's just got that too. So Ahsoka has like her white lightsaber in the green witch sword. So, man, Star Wars, just crazy stuff. Which it, then it is a good kind of like side by side thing where they give Morgan the Blade of Talzin, which is insane. And then we cut right to Ezra building a lightsaber. So you have like the dark, weird stuff, and then you have the light side. And again, with the Master and Apprentice thing, where he's building this lightsaber and he wants that that one part that is going to kind of honor his master, Kanan Jarrus, and kind of doubting Hugh Yang. And Hugh Yang's like, I knew Kanan. I knew Caleb Dune. And Hugh Yang says, and this yeah just hammers home the point, the relationship between a master and apprentice is as challenging as it is meaningful. The good stuff. It was such a cool little tribute scene to Kanan, too. And just the fact that his lightsaber kind of looks like Kanan's lightsaber. It's kind of just like, ah. Oh. Well, and this whole scene's great, too, because it's like it's very Ezra where last episode he's like, I don't need I don't need a lightsaber. I just need the force. And now an episode later, he's like, no, nah, actually, I kind of want a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hurry up and build one really quick. Yeah, yeah. We then we're talking about Master and Apprentices. We're talking about Kanan. And then we hear, yeah, that Sabine's family died on Mandalore at the end of the war. And Sabine and Ahsoka have this little talk outside on top of the ship going by. 
Yeah, and this is where Ahsoka says how Anakin always stood by her no matter what happens. Sabine's like, well, I'm not good with a lightsaber. And Ahsoka's like, it doesn't matter. You know, train your mind, train your body, trust the force. And it's all about trust. And this, I love that Ahsoka said this too, because you, you think back to Empire Strikes Back and you never see Yoda training Luke how to use a lightsaber, even though he, like you're going to have to face Darth Vader eventually. And everyone wants Luke to kill Darth Vader, but... It's train your mind, train your body, and the four, the lightsaber stuff will come later. And I did really like the, the I, have you been training? And she says, I try. And then she's like, well, I do. I do. Like, you know, come on. It's good stuff there. Well, and again, too, I, I just like it, too, with like the dark magic and the kind of evil welcoming in Morgan to this Night Sisters thing and contrasting that with this kind of much more Jedi talk that's all about again love and talking and understanding and but even with the i think the thing i like about the witches is like you know thrawn's all about the empire but the witches are just about the witches like are they bad or they're just like trying to you know they had a they had a they had it rough right they got screwed over by uh palpatine and 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 dooku and grievous and everybody and it's like they're just all about their family so like are you know are they evil or are they just trying to keep keep them to keep the witches going and that's you know that's something we might be talking about in next week's episode of blast points but it's that's kind of why bringing in the dathomiri night sister witches at this point in the story this story the big story it's really kind of interesting cuz the night sisters are kind of fascinating so Ahsoka and Ezra are holding up the ship because what the TIE fighters come out and Thrawn wants to do a ground assault and they're literally holding the ship up with the force. Because you can't hurt the little turtle people. Nothing bad can happen to them. They got to keep them safe. And I really like uh, what Hugh Yang in the ship with the naughty, the turtle people and just hijinks going on with the naughty and like live electrical wires and stuff. Rick Famuyiwa, the master of serious drama and the wackiest wacky stuff, like flexing his muscles, both of them. I just love the naughty so much. And the cool thing is it's the way I was almost happy that they didn't make it off the planet at the end. Cause it's like, cool, whatever happens next, we got to see the naughty again. Yeah. Yeah. There's more naughty. I like Star Wars when it's naughty. Naughty by nature. Yeah, naughty and nasty. <laughs> we didn't see the baby. At least I didn't see the baby in this episode. But I, you know I was looking for that baby. Yeah. No, I think they had to hold back because there was enough, too much other stuff this episode. We got to we gotta save the baby. People like, I didn't get the resolution I wanted in part eight of Ahsoka. What happened to the naughty baby? Well, and then this episode, I don't know, just immediately ramps it up the intensity to where we've got what? Ezra and Sabine on a wolf and Ahsoka on a wolf just running fighting a star destroyer with just two wolves running for the temple just stuff exploding everywhere our our old friend explosions is back they make it into the castle and I love the shot of Thrawn just like visibly pissed off for a minute and then he like calms himself down like they made it oh no so it's you know just cool star wars action where ahsoka ezra 
and Sabine are fighting off a wave of the ribbon troopers. And then they're all killed. And then the, the night sisters do their thing. And then it's full on zombie troopers just making full on zombie trooper sounds. Like, Why not? At this point, let's do it. Let's do it all. That was the only thing with this, the, these couple episodes that was confusing to me. Cause I was like, they seemed like they were zombies when they weren't zombies and now they are zombies, but it was still really cool. Shuffling around like they're in Dawn of the Dead or something. Well, and then the next part I thought, and we knew this was all coming, but I just thought this was really cool that when they docked the Star Destroyer to the hyperspace ring, it's basically like a giant version of Attack of the Clones where the Jedi Starfighters had the hyperspace rings and the Jedi Starfighters looked like little tiny Star Destroyers. And now we have a full-size Star Destroyer with a full-size hyperspace ring. And this whole part, too, has like the kind of awkward exchange of Thrawn saying to Morgan, like, oh, we, we need more time. We're not going to be able to leave right away. There's all this stuff going on. And then he's like, for the Empire. And then what Morgan kind of whispers, for Dathomir. Which, again, it's kind of the mystery of the Night Sisters. Like, they, like you were saying, like, what do they want? They, they kind of got a hard time. They don't care about the Empire. No, they just want to get back to Dathomir. And I think I am now convinced that, that all those boxes are, like, dead Night Sisters or something. Because when those earlier episodes, when I was like, well, there's, like, a technology stuff on it. It looks like Empire stuff. Like, going back and watching those scenes again, it's like... I think they're like old school looking coffins that just happen to have like some imperial glowy bits on the side so they can like levitate them. They might just be like straight up a bunch of coffins full of witches. That's what I'm thinking also. And yeah, that is some wild stuff. We said this is the start of a big, big story. This is just just the beginning. Well, and and just jumping ahead since we're talking about the the coffins and we can jump back though is like we do get like at the end of the episode the uh the attack of the clones scene of palpatine seeing his clone army getting ready almost exactly with thrawn up on the balcony with the night sisters like looking out at the at all the boxes and it just you know it just seems like it's like oh this looks like you know it's them looking out at their their army well, and like we say all the time that the thing Thrawn cannot predict is the force and magic and him putting all of his faith in these Dathomiri Sister witches that I don't know may come back to get him in the end. I don't know. Well, we saw a movie called Attack the Clones, which had like the same scene and look at this army and what did the army end up doing? It turned on the people who thought it was their army. So hmm. Thrawn hasn't seen Attack of the Clones, unfortunately, so maybe he doesn't know. I read I read something called Alien Exodus, and I went to another galaxy where I saw this movie attack the clones. <laughs> so, so Morgan and Ahsoka, they have their rematch from Mando season two. Super cool flame sword sound effects as she's fighting Ahsoka. Yeah, and like crazy, like night sister magic green like lens flares glowing off of the up to the fire and and yeah that's just it's just a really cool sword fight scene meanwhile sabine and ezra are fighting death troopers which you know 
We were waiting the whole time to either hear one of the two Death Trooper voices. I was really hoping for. There was there was a Death Trooper voice. It was it wasn't full on Rogue One. It was pretty close because I was paying extra attention because, yeah, again, this kind of goes back to my thing with the with the zombies. It being confusing now that I and now I kind of understand, OK, they weren't zombies before, but now they're zombies now. But then just when you figure that out and then you get to the Death Troopers, it's like. Are the Death Troopers regular Death Troopers who may already be zombies because of the like mystery of what is a Death Trooper? Or were these Death Troopers that have already become zombies because of the Night Sisters? Because they they have like monster mouths like when they, they cut open their helmet. But then the one of them is doing the Death Trooper voice. So I'm even I'm so confused now. They weren't the full on Dick Van Dyke chimney sweeper. Hello. Hello, Savina Ezra. Are we going to fight now? that's true so we at least know that <laughs> but other than that it was like are death troopers always like that under the helmet where they kind of have like zombie mouths or was this because before ezra and sabine got there the witches turned them into zombies before they died but you know it wouldn't be star wars if there wasn't like a part that you're just completely confused about for years <laughs> yeah so it's like are the death troopers like double dead yes Right. Were they dead before and now they're dead again? I still think they're kind of like RoboCop and they're like, you know, there was a little bit of something organic in there at one time, but there could be like robots or something. But, you know, we're getting closer because at least one of them had their they had their helmet like smashed up and we got to see at least a, a Death Trooper mouth going. Ah. Well, maybe that's, you know, like RoboCop. Like the only thing you see of Murphy is his lips. And he has like Murphy teeth in there still. You know, it's true. And it was like, yeah, because it's like they they killed them both by taking out their heads, which makes you think they're zombies. But maybe that's how Death Troopers always are. Right. So Sabine uses the force, though, to pull up the lightsaber, which was cool that she did that. And then right after that, you got Sabine and Ezra. Are they going to make it onto the Star Destroyer and they do the old Rebels super push? <laughs> which was great that's great that's great i love the re- big rebel super push i forgot how many times that kanan and ezra were throwing each other over huge chasms and stuff and it's like at the time watching on rebels you're like well it's animated you could do crazy stuff but it was great it was totally rebels go back and watch some rebels and then go back and watch some ahsoka and it's just like yeah it's the same show And I love the one-two punch, too, of Sabine using the Force for the lightsaber, but then using the Force in a huge way to send Ezra, because Ezra does the super jump, but Sabine is the one that really pushes him to the Star Destroyer. And I was like, that's really cool, because this is like using the Force like from the heart. It's not about just moving the cup on the table, like earlier in the season, just be like, I can use the force and I can move this cup for no reason whatsoever. This is something that she cares deeply about, that she wants Ezra to get on that Star Destroyer. And, you know, using the force, like she uses it for defense with the Death Trooper, and then she uses it out of love to get Ezra to where she knows he has to go home. Yeah. Well, and it's neat too, where it's like, because when she's doing it, you know, out of defense, she can lift a lightsaber, which is pretty cool. But then, you know, she's learning now what she focuses it on. Yeah, doing it for not just to protect herself, but to protect someone else. Like, she's even more powerful. 
Will she go with with Ezra? No. Like we said, she stays with Ahsoka, and then Ahsoka kills Morgan with a double gut slash. One hand with a lightsaber, and the other hand kills her with the blade of Talzin. Do you think Morgan's dead? I don't think so. I didn't think she was dead, but the Night Sisters say she was dead. Because I wanted to believe that she was still alive, unless they're just fooling with Thrawn. But does that mean anything to a Night Sister if one Night Sister is dead? They can bring dead Night Sisters back like nobody's business. It's true. It's true. And if there's crazy Mortis force power stuff on this planet, yeah, because there's a part of me that's like, maybe she's not dead. Maybe she's mad at Thrawn because Thrawn made her sacrifice herself. But maybe she's happy because she got her sisters off. I don't know. But the scene before this when Sabine shows up to help Ahsoka, I, it it didn't register the first time. But I think Sabine is now my favorite Jedi because it's all Jedi with a blaster action, which I feel like Luke, did Luke even ever do that? Like, I think Ezra is our only Jedi that kind of did that when he had his stun thing. But it's like, it's so cool to see someone doing fighting with a blaster and a lightsaber at the same time. It's like, I think Ray did it like a little bit in Rise of Skywalker when they're on the the chase in the desert and she shoots some things with a blaster but just a sabine going nuts with combo blaster lightsaber fighting is just i don't know that's my favorite it really is i don't know why but it is so yeah jedi sabine you're the best <laughs> you know and that's the thing too like you saying that it makes me think too like all the action in this episode was super cool. Like, I love all the stormtroopers standing around to watch Morgan and Ahsoka fight. We got multiple, multiple battles in 45 minutes of this episode and still, like, some good character stuff. It was really, really neat. I mean, you got to see Ahsoka Tano fight someone with a flame sword. Well, another thing I didn't really catch on to, maybe it was obvious to everyone else, but it was, like, it was kind of neat with the, the different levels of the temple that they kind of, like, when you're on the roof, all those like wall Stonehenge things, they're actually like when they're in the room below, it's like the same pillars are like going into the temple. So like the the like pillar things when they're inside where Thrawn and Morgan would be talking and looking at their thing, like are the same ones that kind of go up on the on the roof and stick out like little horns and stuff. I don't know. It's just kind of neat. It's so cool. I love the whole castle. It's all just insane. No, and I love because it's Star Wars. It's like a, a medieval looking castle, but it still has like electronic blast doors with little buttons. <laughs> then they, they get in the ship and they're chasing after it and they don't make it. And what Thrawn calls, like we said, he's like, I I knew I know what you do. I know you. I knew your master. And I love that Ahsoka for a minute is kind of just like you dick. But then also she's just like, whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, because then we kind of realize it's like that's kind of the whole point, right? It's like. That might might have riled her up in the past, but it's like she had her final lesson with Anakin and kind of come to terms with all that, that just because it happened to Anakin doesn't mean it's going to happen to her. And just because Anakin went through all that doesn't make him any less of a good master in that she learned all the right things from him. So it's like, yeah, whatever, say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I'm beyond that sucker. So then they they go back to the the naughty wonderful and ahsoka sees the convery kind of giving a hint 
And then literally I was watching the episode and I was just like, oh, the the owl, that's so cool. Oh, like that's kind of a sign that like everything's going to be okay. And then they, yeah, they show Shin. And I was like, oh my God, I literally almost forgot about Balin and Shin. Like the whole episode could have ended. And if they didn't show them at all, like two hours later, I've been like, oh, what about Balin and Shin? Yeah. And then we, yeah, we get Shin. And it's like, huh, she didn't go with Thrawn. She went back to these people. What does that mean? And then we get Balin and it's like, wait a second, that, that statue looks familiar. And then he's like looking off into the distance at some sparkling lights on a mountain. I, you know what? And at first I was in denial. I was like, that's like something weird on this planet. We don't know what it is. Cause like when they first fly to the planet, after they go through the, the whale bones, there's like those big spooky night sister statues. And I was like, this is just some old statue thing. That's not the Mortis father and son. That's too crazy. And then like afterwards and everyone's just like, oh, my God, it's the Mortis father and son. And people are doing like side by side. like, oh, my God, it's the Mortis father and son. That's what was calling to Balin. That's like what's going on. That's like the answers he seeks. That's like the the beginning, the the way to end the cycle, all the crazy stuff he's been talking about all season. It's Mortis. The deepest of the deep force stuff. Well, and it's somehow tied to the Night Sisters because it's like all on this planet together. There's all these like different aspects of the force combined on the on the fantasy planet here at the at the edge of a of another galaxy. Dave Filoni, you madman. And I love it too, because people are just like, well, nobody's gonna know if they haven't watched Clone Wars. Nobody's gonna know what that means. It's like, okay, well then go watch Clone Wars. It sure is nice that there's a real easy way to watch it. And there's this thing called Google where you can find out what episodes it was. Go watch those episodes. And if you don't, I'm sure people who are like, oh, I wonder what this these statues mean. There's probably going to be another show and maybe they'll find out. Like, I mean, that's what was so cool with this season where it's like, really, if you don't care enough to go watch Clone Wars and Rebels, you kind of understand where Ahsoka's coming from with Anakin because we got a little taste of it in the season. So it's like, you know, they they know enough to tell people enough of what they need. You don't need to know everything unless you want to know everything. Yeah, and the witches in Thrawn. They're approaching Dathomir, and they're looking out at all the caskets. Yeah, like the attack of the clones thing, like you were saying. And then we see a little Imperial shuttle headed to home one, and everyone comes out echoing the first episode of the season when Balin and Shin arrive on the ship. Very cool. And yeah, out comes a ribbon trooper. And I was just, I was just like Chopper, where I was just like, oh, man. It's just Ezra doing Ezra. That's what that's that's his business. Yeah. Ezra being Ezra. He didn't have to wear the helmet, but he was like, you know what? I'm going to make him make him sweat a little bit. And this moment made everyone sweat, too, where everyone was losing their minds that Hera and Ezra didn't hug. Did you need a hug? Because people are still really upset that there was no hug. Well, after the first time watching it, I was kind of like, huh, I'm surprised they didn't hug. But it's like it's intentionally like just making you sweat. As a as a viewer, like they didn't not hug. They just didn't show it. Right. And I'm thinking maybe when the season, whatever the next show comes back, maybe the first episode is just them hugging. Like maybe he's making us wait for the hug. And then also I was like, you know, maybe he figured he can't outdo the last Jedi hug. 
because the let the last Jedi hug is the greatest hug in Star Wars at the end when Ray and Finn are finally reunited, and it's like the whole movie's about them just hug, getting to the point where they can hug again. Like, so maybe he was like, I can't beat that hug, so we'll just let people imagine the hug. Well, and it's it's all a a mood, a tone at the end of this episode. Like we said, it's a very kind of melancholy tone. We all wanted them to hug. And maybe that's the point that we were denied that hug. Like we are denied the happy ending, the, the heroes dancing with teddy bears ending, because it's not a happy ending. It's, you know, it's more like an attack of the clones kind of ending, honestly, where it's just like, is is this good? I don't know if it is. Like this seems like it could get really bad. It's I'm sure it's also Dave Filoni just messing with us. Like you, I, I know you all want to see them hug, so I'm not going to let you see it yet. I'll make you wait for the hug. <laughs> you might see it in a year if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but now Ezra is back in the New Republic, and that's kind of a wild concept too because. You know, Luke is off doing his thing. He's not really checking in with people, you know, but he's, Luke, do people even know Luke is out there? Like Sabine even said, like, is the emperor dead? That's what people say. Like Luke, I feel like is still kind of a mysterious figure in the galaxy. But now you have Ezra Bridger walking right into the New Republic with Jedi skills. And that's kind of an interesting thing. I really hope if we, when we get more Ezra, that he keeps the beard. I like, I like wild man Ezra. We have this great kind of wrap up scene back at the Nadi village with Sabine and Ahsoka. And Sabine is kind of like, I don't know if I did. I, I, she says like, I feel like I screwed up. Thrawn got away, but Ezra got home and, Soka's totally chill. She's just like, trust the force. Ezra's where he needs to be. And so are we. And then, yeah. And then she says, it's time to move on. And then the ghost of Anakin Skywalker looking on. A lot like the um, Jason Sindula stuff in uh, his episode, was it episode five of like him kind of seeing and hearing what was going on with Anakin and Ahsoka. This Almost at first, Ahsoka doesn't see Anakin, but Sabine kind of does, but she doesn't realize what she's seeing. And I thought that was really cool, where it's like as Sabine's kind of opening up to the force here, it's like she could kind of see him there. And then when Ahsoka goes to see what Sabine was looking at, it's like, oh, crap, there's Anakin giving me the smile because it's all it all worked out in that. Yeah, that she was too worried about Thrawn instead of worrying about which she should have been which is you know her little jedi space family with sabine and that's the thing too we know it's going to work out in a way you know we know eventually the first order will rise maybe because of this somehow i don't i think all that is really interesting too but anakin at this point wherever he is is seeing the big picture and this is this is Ahsoka's fight now. This is her, you know, like, the, again, going back to their episode, like, you know, her, him saying, like, I trained you to be a warrior and all that stuff. And she's like, is that what this is about? And yeah, going forward, it's kind of insane to think about that. You know, there is the potential if there's Ahsoka season two, it could completely be on Peridia. And it's like we have Ahsoka and Sabine. We have two Jedi on this 
planet of the force, basically. Balin and Shin are still out there on this planet. So, you know, two masters, two apprentices. For- force ghost Anakin is hanging out there. He's knows all about the Mortis stuff. Like, is that why he's there too? And or why he wants them there? Like, there's just all this all the stuff that could be going on on that planet. And there's enough stuff there we've seen to have a whole season just with them. there, like, regardless of what's going on back in the, in the old galaxy with the new Republican Thrawn, like, I don't know, like maybe we will get a while of them apart before ultimately anyone's able to get them back. Like we said, skeleton crew is probably the next show. Skeleton crew is set in this timeline the old galaxy, or maybe is it set in like before all this happened? Eventually, when we get back to Mandalorian, is Ezra Bridger going to meet Grogu? Like, is that going to be something that happens? Probably, right? <laughs> Probably. Because you're going to have to acknowledge that there's a Jedi out there. And because something is going to be going on with Thrawn and is like Carson Tiva going to call upon the Mandalorian to like fight Night Sisters or something? I... I don't know. I think it's wild and I'm into it. I I like this story that started. Like we said, this is what we asked for. Something new, something different. And here it is. Yeah, it's it's wild and crazy, right? Like, you know, it's not just more of the same. It's more of the same mixed with new whipped together with explosions and magic. And yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what what comes out of all of this. Wild times we're living in. Wild times. It's a character that Dave Filoni created and worked with George Lucas on in the Clone Wars. Originally, we didn't really know, you know, exactly what the Clone Wars was going to be, and we made up our own little band of characters. There was a, a character that was a Jedi, and there was a Padawan, and thought we'll put them on adventures. But uh, you know, George had other ideas. <laughs> he says, "Well, and this character," and he points to the Padawan we had, and he says, "Let's give Anakin Skywalker a Padawan." And I was like, Anakin doesn't have Padawan. And he just looked at me and said, Anakin has a Padawan. And that was basically it. That's how Ahsoka came about. Jason and Gabe, it's uh, Taylor Gray, uh, excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Points Podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise.
All right, everybody, you know what's up. Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this, we'd love it if you wrote something nice about the show so more people can find it when they're looking for a Star Wars podcast. And we just love reading all the things you folks have to say about the show. And if you listen on Spotify, leave a five-star review over there, too. And check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, and make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're in Facebook, make sure you're part of the Blast Points Super Chill Group. And we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. But Ahsoka Part 8, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord, some good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, some good stuff, and we got... Potentially a couple months to to recharge and refresh ourselves before we get some more Star Wars craziness, and it's a perfect time to uh, revisit and appreciate just all the Star Wars gold we've gotten over the past year. So much goodness. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Be with you! Ah!